and we are live with this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, it is finally that time. The Fall Classic is just around the corner as MLB postseason baseball is finally upon us. Today was the last day of the regular season, and we now know the postseason matches for this upcoming postseason. Have some interesting matches to look forward to going into this postseason, but a very tumultuous past couple of days just deciding who would be these final teams getting into it. So it should lead to some great postseason action in the MLB. I've aged for decades in three days. <laughs> I can only wonder why. Uh, yeah, starting on the debacle on Thursday, but... I'm excited. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to go into that right now. We can save that horror show for, for later. Um, but let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about the postseason. What teams are going to make a big run? The scrappy underdogs versus the powerhouse teams. I'm excited because here's the thing. All teams are equal come October and November when it comes to the MLB postseason. Right. It's not like the NBA or the NFL where, okay, yeah, you know, the one seat's always going to advance or the two seat. No, more often than not, they kind of get their asses kicked a lot. Oh, we it's our last year with almost, the Braves. I mean, listen, listen, we see it happen all the time. Right. Whether it's um, these miracle runs, whether it's the Nationals, whether it's uh, – whether it's the Phillies last year, even though if you don't, sometimes you don't win it all, you see these teams that are like, oh, they're kind of written off, they're scrappy underdogs. Listen, baseball is the only sport where you can't fast forward. You can't chew clock. You have to play all 27 outs. That That's how it is. You can't take time off, whatever. You have to play every single inning. You have to play every single batter. That's what makes it so unpredictable. So, yeah, we have an idea who's going to win, but that's what makes this uh, this sport so great. Yeah, I mean, some of the teams that we expected to make the World Series and make the playoffs didn't even make the postseason as a whole. Teams like the San Diego Padres, the Yankees, the Mets, the Cardinals for a couple of teams, as for example. Those are teams we expected to make the postseason and maybe make a trip to go into the World Series. And all in all, they didn't even make the postseason as a whole. So now we're sitting in the scenario where some of these young, scrappy teams that we didn't expect to be here are now in the postseason and realistically have a good chance of winning it all. Teams like the Baltimore Orioles, who we did not expect at the beginning of the year, have made a monster push. Um, you could have had your opinions on Texas. I mean, some people liked them. Some people thought that, you know what, the history of the Rangers the last couple of years has not been great, so they haven't been able to make the postseason. I don't like their, you know, their, the way that their history has been going the last couple of years. They make the postseason. How about your Miami Marlins? They made the postseason as a team that I, I, I had no one expected. In. I had them penciling. I had them yeah, winning 85 games. That's what I said beginning of the season. 85 games in a postseason there. Now, how they got to 85 games, Yeah, well, we'll talk about that a little bit, but we'll talk about with with the Mets news. But, yeah, like a lot of these teams scrappy under the Texas Rangers. Arizona no, Diamondbacks, too. Did, did anyone see the Texas Rangers doing this? What about the Toronto? I mean – I kind of called the Blue Jays, too. I think the people saw the Rangers had the talent. It was going to be, can it all coexist to the point where they finally make that push to get into the postseason? Because that's been the problem for the Rangers the last couple of seasons. They've had the talent. They have not been able to get there. And the biggest concern was their pitching. They never really had a rotation now, now, before the season. And finally, you know they were able to get some help. You know what's great about baseball, too? Oh, you, know, I, you know what's great? You know what's great? The 
the Marlins and the Diamondbacks both have a negative run di- differential in the NL. Right. Um, granted, Arizona's you know isn't as egregious. It's only minus eight. Miami's minus fifty two. That's that's horrific. The Cubs and the Padres both have at least one hundred run differentials positive, and they didn't make the postseason. I would say the Padres, they, this is the weirdest case of a team I've seen. They have the probably the Cy Young winner. They have they multiple good bats, you know, guys getting 20, 20 25 plus home runs. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. But what, what actually on that roster from top to bottom, the talent they have in the individual stats, it just didn't come together. And when right. it finally came together, it was too late. If the Padres started playing like they did in the last month, a month sooner, they could have. They probably could have won the division. They would have made the postseason. No, they probably could have won the, the uh, division. They yeah. they start playing like. Uh, no, I'm saying like you know how they really picked it up at the end of the season. Like they went on. Yeah, no, I know what you're getting at. No, they win like 80 percent of the games. Like, listen, go back a month beforehand. You maybe have a a month where you could win 18 or 19 games. Where they probably lost, you know, 13 or 14 games. You flip that around, and you know they could have fought for the, the uh, division even. Well, it all depends on how you start the season, too, because the Padres did not start the season off great. And that's really, at the end of the day, what hurt the them and not making the postseason. So that that's a catalyst for potential disaster if you don't really start off strong. Sometimes you can't, you know, you have those moments. Like the Phillies, for example, did start their season off strong last year, and then they go all the way to the World Series and almost come up winning a championship. The Nationals, when they won the World Series, they, they start the first month of the season under five hundred, and they went on to win the whole thing. It really comes down to you need to bounce back after a bad first month, and the Padres just never did that. They got they caught fire just really too late, and I, I saw the you know the best example being um, an NFL example. The um, I think it was the t- 2010 Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. They had the number one rated offense, the number two rated defense, and they didn't make the playoffs either. So San Diego just has some bad you know juju. I guess that's the case. I mean, they could be um, cursed from what Machado said a couple of years ago. I don't. I don't know. I I don't know where they go. But you know, Bob Melvin's rumored to maybe be be the new manager of the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, they fired uh, Gabe Kapler. He's no longer with the team, so now they're looking for a new manager. But yeah, they're in a weird spot right now, and it's tough with the Dodgers being so good. They're still winning a hundred games and still winning the division, and now being the number two seed in the NL behind the Atlanta Braves, who have the best record in the National League in all of baseball. So. It's really going to be tough for San Diego to get back from this bad, you know, this tough of a season. But we got to talk about some of the teams that made the entire thing itself. And, you know, we talked about some of the teams that being surprising. I remember when we did our original, you know, preview show, we, we didn't really talk about the Baltimore Orioles as much because they were just such a young team when we looked at them. And we thought, you well, know what? I'm going to defend ourselves right here. When we spoke about the Baltimore Orioles, we said they were probably a year away from being ready because right. the pieces were there. I, I was always the biggest fan of Heston Kirkstad. Um, of course, from his yeah. Listen, I've been holding on to his stuff for a couple of years now. I think he was going to be really great, and he's finally getting a uh, you know. Granted, he's getting pinch hits in the in the uh, major leagues right now, but guys like Adley Rushman neatly put together. He's already, I think, one of the top catchers in the AL and all, all baseball. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen. I think he's he's definitely top three in the AL. And I, I mean, I, have to, I would have to think about. The I NL. put Adley as a top five catcher right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hesitate on that. Yeah, and uh, and guys like Gunnar Henderson, which I think Gunnar Henderson 
is better than Adley, and he went really under uh, overlooked, and he may win the, uh, the rookie of the year right now. I think he is right now the front runner for rookie of the year, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, so a guy that was kind of living in Adley's shadow, he got to really show out this year. Uh, you know, but he has the power and he's got speed. He gets he gets a lot of walks. Um, just a fantastic defensive player, and he plays at it's at a premium position too. Because if he was an outfielder doing this, you would expect this. But he, it's with his defensive presence as a shortstop combined with the power he has with that bat, he can hit home runs, um, which makes him such a exciting player. Right. And I think when it comes down to it for Baltimore, the question is going to be, will the youth get to them in the postseason? Because obviously now a lot of them are going to have that postseason experience compared to teams like Tampa and Houston that have been there before and have obviously made runs at, at you know a World Series. The Astros obviously winning it last year. Tampa was in the World Series just a couple of years ago and very well could have won that World Series too. But it's really going to come down to, can Baltimore's youth get them far in this postseason run. They're a team that a lot of people like to watch just because of how fun these players are and they just how well I'm they gel them. as a team. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. You can even say as a Yankee fan, like, it's fun. I, I, right. I'm sorry yeah, they're gonna own, they might own your division for the next 10 years if they can probably. pay. But, uh, it's listen, it's interesting and, it's, and, and they're a fun watch. Right, and listen, if they – are able to do so. They would obviously have to face a tough matchup, though, in the ALDS. We'll preview the bracket as a whole if you want to get into that, Andrew, because the bracket itself is very interesting because of some of the matchups that we have and the potential matches we could have going into the ALDS and the NLDS as a whole. Um, I know for you, obviously, your Marlins take on the Philadelphia Phillies, and then the winner would go on to Atlanta to take on the Braves, so... Either way, you're going to get an NL East matchup in the National League Divisional Series. But as a Marlins fan, I want you to talk about how do you feel going into the series against Philadelphia with this the is potential going to, be to go into Atlanta. This is going to be a bloodbath. Um, geez, how can I even 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 start this? Um, well, I guess this is going to start the wild card preview, right? Yes, sir. So let's start. Yeah, so let's start with my Miami Marlins. I am a big, big fan. Uh, to me. This is kind of remnant. This is reminding me from a couple of years ago. Remember how uh, a certain sports analyst called them the bottom feeders, and yep. that kind of really struck. This is where I think the real the real revolution of the last couple of years comes from, and this is where the identity, like oh, we're bottom feeders, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. And they've kind of bought into this, and these guys know, like okay, you know, ESPN, you know, uh, Fox Sports, whoever it is, they're writing this team off. The players know that, and they went out there and performed. And granted, I, I, I will give credit where credit is due. I wasn't really a big fan of the GM or the uh, – The new manager, Skip Schumacher, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I was gonna say the skipper, Skip Schumacher, but I feel like that would have been redundant. So I was looking <laughs> – <I was, laughs> The skipper skip? Yeah, the skipper skip. Uh, I, listen, I, he's a young guy. It's really his first gig. He's kind of leaving – he left the St. Louis Cardinals cocoon out there. And they did a great job. He was fighting for his players. Um, they actually signed players to big contracts. Granted, not every move was a home run. Like Avi Garcia, that wasn't really yeah. great. Jorge Soler wasn't great last year, but he really popped off this year. Uh, you committed to a guy like Sandy. You, you paid him. You you know you you spoke to the face of your franchise in Jazz Chisholm, and you uh, you made a trade. 
for Luis Arias, who turns out to be probably it's going to be an interesting trade going in, in uh, for all other GMs to kind of look at in the future. That the Luis Arias trade ended up being a win-win trade. I really didn't like that affair because Pablo was such a great pitcher, and right. he killed it this year. And uh, for the Twins, he's probably a big reason why they made the postseason this year. Absolutely. And Luis Arise is the same thing, but so it was kind of like, well, I don't want to say addition by subtraction, but just swapping those guys, guys out because we already had good pitching. You know, you have Sandy, you have Braxton Garrett, you have Jesus Lozado, who had another great season, really improved again. So you already had guys, and you had guys in the pipeline like Yuri Perez and Edward Cabrera, and if those guys put it together, then you have a starting five that, okay, yeah, I know you're losing Pablo Lopez. He's probably – your second or third best pitcher, and that's you know no disrespect to him, he's a he's a great pitcher, uh, and anyone would want him as rotation. But when you, they desperately need the bats, and you got a guy like Luis Arise, I know he only gets singles, he doesn't really hit for power, but he can get on base, and that's what a team like that needs. Right, he got on base. He for the first time ever, NL and AL uh, won the batting title in back to back divisions. Uh, I'm sorry, back to back. Seasons. Seasons, yeah. For one for the NL, one for the AL. It's the first time I think that's ever happened. So that was yes. a, a, yeah, a, amazing, amazing, amazing uh, accomplishment. But now we're going to the Phillies. Uh, for a, a long time, Philadelphia Phillies, they were a uh, they were once a proud franchise. But after that World Series win about 15 years ago, they went on a streak of mediocrity where they couldn't go above 500. And now all of a sudden, the last couple of years, they've been really improving. And you know what? Uh, even though I don't like the Phillies, it's you know it's obviously division rival. So this is what's going to make it so interesting because you have the scrappy underdogs that would usually be the Philadelphia Phillies, but they're going to be playing the role as the powerhouse here. Right. So they're going to like if you saw the Phillies last year with, with their postseason run, like oh they were the scrappy underdogs. No, now they're established. You have guys like Bryce Harper, and he's going to show up every single day. Doesn't matter if he had surgery and he's only DH, et cetera, et cetera. But you have guys like Price Harper. You have uh, great pitching like Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and I, I hate to say, it, a guy like Ranger Suarez. He was really good this year. Yeah. He really stepped up. Taiwan Walker, great, great season for him too. And then you have a closer too. They have a great closer in, in Craig Kimbrell. So. On the actual just pitching wise, they're gonna be fantastic. And then you have to you have Nick Cassianos, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Alec Baum, J- JT former Marlin, so, JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, who we mentioned, and a guy who I think is having another great, who had another great season, really went on the radar. And I think the Angels made a mistake letting go of this guy, Brandon Marsh, twenty five years old. Yeah, really, really took took the league by storm, and he wasn't really doing anything over there. But he came to Phillies, and they seemed to unlock his potential. So. They got a lot of stuff on both sides of the ball here. It's going to be interesting to see the matchups being played because we kind of saw this. Um, for those who don't know, Jazz Chisholm hits like 300 versus righties, but when it comes to the lefty, he can't, you know, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, right. So I it's going to be interesting. Go on, go on. No, I mean, I've been talking a lot here, but uh, the <laughs> one thing I kind of want to finish on here is it's going to be interesting how the pitching actually comes out. Like if they're going to play around the, uh, the strengths and weaknesses, if they're going to really like, Oh, like we're going to be committed to attacking jazz, kind of like how the Mets did uh, on one of their last games of the season, they kept on putting in lefty pitchers. They would swap them out every couple, uh, every inning or every two innings and just put the new lefty in just so they would attack jazz. And right. sometimes they, you know, it, it kind of backfired, you know, cause he had that really clutch hit at the end there, puts him up. And then, you know, unfortunately the game eventually, you know, gets rained out. 
but it can kind of light a fire under guys. So you have to kind of, you, you could be playing with fire and it could backfire. So you have to really uh, take it with stride, but I'm going to let you give your thoughts on this. Cause I feel like I, I could talk all day about the Marlins. Well, here's what I think about the Marlins and what gives you the, and you talked about jazz and I liked how you brought that up. Think about what the Phillies have in their rotation as in terms of their best starters. Wheeler and Nola obviously are their top two. Those are both right-handed hitters. So that gives Jazz Chisholm a great opportunity right there alone. So that's one. Then the question really is, because it's remember, the wild card series is a three-game series. So who would the Phillies turn to in that game, potential game three, if it has to get to it? Maybe would it Michael be a Taiwan Lincoln? Walker? Could it be Ranger Suarez just to avoid Jazz Chisholm getting that righty matchup against the lefty-lefty? There's, there's a lot of opportunities, but I think the Phillies, the thing going for them is their bullpen has so many left-handed pitchers in it. You have That's guys like Gregory going. Soto, Matt Strom, Jose Alvarado. I mean, that's going to be the big thing for the Phillies going in this series. But for your team as the Marlins, listen, we've known the last couple of years that they've had issues in the bullpen, but they fixed that in this season. It hasn't been the prettiest year for you guys in the terms of your bullpen, but it has been way better than it has been in recent years. And I think that is something that's key well, for you guys. We were blowing a lot of games midway through the season when we got David Peterson from the Mets. And then they realized this guy's not a closer. So they right. moved him to the eighth spot. And ever since he went to the eighth spot, he's been money. So he's talking he about AJ Puck, right? Uh, I'm talking about, um, no, uh, David Peterson. He's in the eighth spot right now. He's been pitching the eighth spots for us. That's the, he saw the, you, you mean David Robertson? Jesus, yes, David Robertson. I was gonna say, David, we saw David Pearson on Thursday. I know Mets, we saw so. him on Thursday for the Mets. I met, I met <laughs> David Robertson. Yeah, okay. ever since we moved him to the eighth spot, he's been a lot better. But he he wasn't really a true wrong David from the Mets. My apologies. But yeah, we, we moved him from the eighth spot to the uh to, from the uh from the ninth spot. He's been a lot better since then because when he first came over, I thought he was like a plant from the Mets. Like he he would come in and he would just blow the game. He, there's there's a the point. Secret spy. Yeah, no, like, listen, there was a point where he blew, like, four or five games in a row. It was like, I was like, 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 dude, like, you know, what's actually going on over here right now? And, no, they fixed him up. They sent him to the eighth spot where he wasn't um, where he wasn't that bad. And I think he only gave up two earned runs in the whole month of September. So that's very, that was a very uh, big positive out of him. Right. And I think the last question I have before we go into the next series would be for you. Um, how do you like your team's chances in terms of your rotation? Obviously – there's injuries to Yuri Perez. There's injuries to Sandy Alcantara. And obviously it looks like Braxton Garrett or Lozardo. I believe they're going to Braxton Garrett in game number one. Braxton uh, Garrett has been cooking. He's been um, really – his development has been one of the biggest surprises this season. Uh, he was a guy that kind of like last year, kind of like Jesus Lozardo, had his ups and downs. But towards the end of last season, he was putting it together. Right. And now it's the guy he had 160 innings pitch. He has – um. His ERA was was around three five. His WHIP was below one twenty. So he was dealing too. He had a hundred. He was probably getting about a strikeout and um a strikeout in an inning. So it's not like he was just you know uh getting lucky. Like okay, like I like to say Domingo Herman because he's not he's a guy that like you know doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but he plays the ball well. Like they'll you know go straight to the first baseman or will be right up the middle to the pitcher, whatever. But Braxton Garrett's a guy who can deal a lot of strikeouts. So um, he's been he didn't have the greatest start against the Mets the other day. You know he kind of got blown up and it happens. But he's still a very young pitcher. I think he's only about 25, 26 years old. And they're gonna put him in the big spot here. Uh, I, I I like not putting Jesus Lazardo in the um, in the first spot because I think he is the better pitcher. But 
I think they want to kind of save him to close it out. Does that make sense? Because I think they could win with Garrett, and they want to like guarantee the win with Luzardo. Right, because I think I think that's the biggest thing trying to get the winning game too. Because if it goes to game three, that's going to be the concern for you guys. Is who do you go to in that spot? Do you go to Edward Cabrera, or do you give it to a guy like Johnny Cueto, who's had the postseason experience before and obviously knows how to pitch in those situations, whether they be good or bad? I think that's going to be interesting to see what Miami would do in a potential spot like that. Yeah, Cueto is he he just gives up too many runs. I like the guy, but he just um he serves up meatballs nowadays. It's not like the twenty seven year old Johnny Cueto. He, he's uh, way past his prime. Right. I would maybe I, here's the thing. This is sound crazy. I would start with a bullpen game with our best closers coming out first. Not closers, but, you know, maybe put out there. Yeah, best relievers coming out there. You like Andrew Nardi or um, I'm going to say it again, David Robertson, not David Peterson. There you go. And then maybe switching to Cabrera to, like, finish out the game, like the last couple innings. I think that's how I would run because they've done that a couple times and it's worked. So that's something I would look at for game three. I think it's all, it's going to come down to how how often will the Marlins use their bullpen in the first two games for you guys against Philadelphia because obviously we know how good their bats are. It's going to be up to your starting pitching to make sure that they don't have to use. I, I would the be surprised we got five. I'd, I'd be surprised we got six innings out of both of them. Listen, desperate times call for desperate measures. The entire series could be Philadelphia. So for the Marlins, this is a great opportunity, but. I think a lot of people would have to think that the Phillies are the favorite going into the series. Obviously, I know where you you know stand Marlins with that. We'll we'll make our predictions for the wild card series as a whole, but let's move on to the other NL uh, wild card matchup. That's between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers winning the NL Central. They had a rough start to the season. Really picked it up in the second half. Was able to win the division as a whole and. For the Diamondbacks, they had a great start to the season. They have really good first half, kind of slowed down midway through the second half of the season, but were able to get it back going in the final two months of the year. They make the postseason as the final wild card team in the National League. And they're also a team like Baltimore in terms of they use a lot of youth on their team. New guys like Corbin Carroll, for example, really lit a spark under this team, getting them into the postseason. And now they have an interesting matchup with Milwaukee where a lot of people could potentially pick them to win this series. Yeah, I mean, I really like the Diamondbacks. Uh, I, I don't think Milwaukee is that good. Um, I, I feel like the Diamondbacks, it was a, uh, well, this with the entire uh, NL wildcard race, everyone was just trying to grasp defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, the Cubs did their fair share, the Marlins did their fair share. And for a second, I was kind of getting worried that the Diamondbacks weren't going to make it. Um, so I'm glad they actually have they finished the season strong and they could actually make the playoffs. But the Diamondbacks are interesting because you got you got guys like Corbin Carroll, who, which seem to be the future of the MLB, and then you have like established vets that are kind of having I don't want to say a renaissance in the career right now, but like a guy like Christian Yelich, who's been a lot better than he was a couple of years ago, but he's still not in his prime form. But it seems like he's getting back to it. Yeah, Yelich had a very good year for Milwaukee, and. For the, for the Diamondbacks, too, I mean, you have guys like Cattell Marte and Christian Walker for your offense that have been really good for them. Um, they had a really good trade with the Blue Jays in the offseason, getting guys like Lourdes Gurriel and Gabriel Moreno for their lineup when they traded away Dalton Varsho. They have been really good for them on the season. And then really the biggest thing for this team is also their pitching. 
The concern for their pitching, though, for Arizona is going to be after their top two. What happens in a potential game three scenario? You have, obviously, Zach Allen, a Cy Young candidate. Morel Kelly is a very solid number two option for this team. But after that, that's where it gets concerning. That might be a scenario where you mentioned with the Marlins where the Dimebacks might have to consider a bullpen game going into that potential game three. Where on the other side of Milwaukee, we know what their rotation is. They have that formidable top three in Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. So the Brewers, what they have lying for them is they have pitching that can lead them going far into this postseason because they have those top three guys. Devin Williams is a very good closer. Yeah, that's been and that's been the Brewers' problem for a while. I mean, I think Carlos Santana, he's like 38 years old, is the second best player in that the second best bat on that team. Well, you look at this team and they're they're very weird with this lineup. Um, you have guys that were cut and traded. You know, Mark Hanna, for example, was a Met. Got you know he got traded there. Carlos Santana, you mentioned, was also traded there. They have Josh Donaldson, who was cut by the Yankees. He's now the starting third baseman at the current moment. They are very weird when it comes to their lineup, but. To their credit, it has worked the last couple months of the season, and now they're in the postseason as a division winner. And like I mentioned, it's really because of how good their pitching has been for them most of this season. And when you have good pitching going down the stretch of a year going into the postseason, that tends to lead to a lot of good success in the postseason. So it's going to be interesting to see a, you know, a contrast of matchups between a young hitting team. I, w- I shouldn't say as young, but a well-balanced lineup in Arizona facing a really good pitching front in Milwaukee and seeing who comes out on top. So that should lead to a very interesting series with the winner obviously going to um, Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers in the National League Divisional Series. So those two teams will have an interesting matchup, to say the least. One guy I will say that is going to be the X factor here is going to be Sal Frelick. He had Sal Frelick, okay. He, yeah, he was he was having a monster September up until the last couple of games. Uh, I think at one point this is I mean it's small sample size, but he raised his batting average by almost four percent in the month of September before cooling off over the last couple of games because he could he couldn't get a hit in the last four games. So I think he kind of just went hitless for like he went zero for twenty in the last couple of games. But before that, he was on a monster tear. He was finally getting uh, acclimated into the MLB. He had that really when he made his debut. He made it with a statement early in the se- in the season. So if he could kind of channel that South Relic from two weeks ago, I think they could win this series. Yeah, and I mean we'll we'll. Go more into the series as a whole when we make our prediction for that National League wildcard series. Because, I, like I mentioned, I think there is a lot of good potential out of both of those series in the National League. Because we saw last year with Philadelphia, they went from the wildcard, they went all the way to the World Series. One, any of these four teams could make the very same case that, hey, listen, we're no slouch either. We could make that type of a run if things were to click for us in this postseason. So we'll have to see how that unfolds when we talk about that a little bit later on the show. But now, let's shift it over to the American League side. And they also have some very interesting series in this wildcard round. Um, We'll start off with the first series being the six-seeded Toronto Blue Jays out of the American League East taking on the AL Central champion Minnesota Twins. Now, we all know it was a rough year for the AL Central. I mean, Twins were the only team above 500. Uh, The division as a whole was really really bad and a lot of people were saying that not not really realistically no one should have made it from this division uh into the playoffs but it is what it is at this current moment and the minnesota took advantage of it and they were able to win the division as a whole 
Now they get into the postseason with a very tough matchup in Toronto. And I say that because we all know what Toronto brings in terms of their hitting. They have one of the best lineups in all of baseball, and they have so much power on this team that can, you know, give you a tough matchup in this postseason. The question is going to be for the Blue Jays is how is their pitching going to be in this postseason run? Uh, Obviously, they're going to start Alec Manoa, clearly. Uh, clearly. They can't even start him with AAA at the current moment. Maybe or even start internationally. XL, maybe. Yeah, apparently, yeah, I guess so. But listen, for Toronto, you have Kevin Glossman. I think that's a solid number one. But after that's where you you know you have your questions. Jose Barrios has, has his ups and downs. Chris Bassett is a veteran that has the postseason experience. Maybe he can get you some good innings out of the bullpen. Or maybe just being the number two starter. And then you have guys like veterans like Yusei Kikuchi and Hunjin Ryu who also have had postseason experience. And they definitely could come out of the bullpen in a relief scenario. But you also have a solid bullpen. Jordan Romano, one of the better closers in the game. They got Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals this uh, trade deadline. And I mentioned their lineup. I mean, obviously, guys like Springer, you have Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, Vlad Guerrero. Uh, right now, Alejandro Kirk's the catcher because of Danny Jensen's uh, injury. Veterans like Brandon Belt are on the team. Kevin Kiermeyer. I talked about Dalton Varsho from the Diamondbacks, who they got in this, off, this past offseason. This is a tough lineup that the Twins are going to have to contend with. But we know the Twins, they're... The thing that's going well for them has been their pitching. The Twins have had a very solid post, have had a very good season overall in terms of their pitching depth. And if they're going to have a chance in this postseason, it's really going to come down to can they get some quality innings from these guys that have been good for them all year. Now this is the um, this is the legacy right here. I like saying like a little ba- throwback to WWE, uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes. This is legacy. You got Vladdy Guerrero Jr. You have Kevin Biggio. You Kevin got Bob yeah. You know, so this is the legacy. So they have this. So if any of these guys, I know Vladdy's having a down year right now, but he's been a monster beforehand. Um, all these guys get in the phone with their dad, be like, "Hey, listen, you know what was it like playing in the wild card? You know, on the road. You know, you're the underdog. What was it like? He they could talk to them like that. Well, yeah, because remember what and, happened to them last year, Johnson. They were home for their wild card series against Seattle, and they obviously had that epic collapse in Game Two that ended yeah. their season. So, and, the, and they're going to learn. They hopefully they learn from that experience. You know, they had conversations with, um, you know, their Hall of Fame or you know, close to Hall of Fame fathers, um, on what to do. Like, how do you bounce back from that? Because I'm sure they all, you know, without even talking to each other about that, that's probably the first person they called. To see, like when that you know when the dust was settled, they left the clubhouse, and that was it for the season. But they get that advice, so that's going to go. That's what people really want. I I don't think they're sleeping on that right now. Uh, the advice they're getting from Hall of Famers at any time they want, they they could you know give them tips on you know where to stand the box to to you know get more contact on your barrel or uh, how to get out of a slump or you know get out you know how do you focus on game days in the uh, in the opposing cities uh, arenas during a playoff run. Um, so all these like little intangibles, they're going to have the answers answers to, and I don't think the Twins will. Well, I think the other problem for the Twins is look at some of the injuries they currently have right now going into this postseason run. Guys like Royce Lewis are on the IL. Carlos Correa are on the IL. Uh, Joey Gallo has been the, uh, on the IL. Jorge Polanco is right now day-to-day, so they're hoping to get him back for this, this run. But like I mentioned, the thing that the Twins have right now is their pitching. Sonny Gray – 
He's one of the top five of the American League in terms of ERA. Pablo Lopez, you mentioned earlier on in the show with the Luis Arias trade, has been pretty good for this Twins rotation as well. And then you have Joe Ryan as your number three with Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober as your four and five that can come out of the bullpen in terms of relief. And then Yon Duran does have command issues, but does throw a fastball that can go up to 105, 106 miles per hour real, some, sometimes and gives you that corner, maybe that potential lockdown closer that they need for a postseason run. Remember, all it takes is two wins and you move on to the next round of this series. So that's the fairy. The Twins will have an opportunity to do so. The question is going to be, will they be able to get any offense in this series? And I'm just not sure if it's going to be possible because of some of the guys that are currently hurt that they can really use in the postseason run. So I'm curious to see what you'll say later on in the show when we predict this series. But it's going to be really tough with the injuries that they currently have going on in their in their lineup to see if they can move on. Where if they were to move on, they would take on the Houston Astros in the ALDS. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, geez, I mean, it would be the Astros, and that's going to be tough. Uh, that would be tough no matter who it is. Uh, I don't care what kind of season they had. They really picked it up because from a team that wasn't going to be even the postseason to – They almost did not make the postseason. Yeah, yeah, they almost didn't make team, it. A team that wasn't going to be in the postseason as of like a month ago is now the number three seed. So that's going to be interesting to look at. But I want to talk about our final matchup. And oh I boy, the it's, of the, I think the best matchup of the wild card. In, in yeah, I, I was, I, I've been kind of flip flopping on these two, and it's very hard because both these teams. I know you hate one of them and you love another one, even though they're in Dallas or um, not really technically Arlington. Dallas, Arlington. It's a suburb of Dallas. Yeah, yada yada. It's Dallas. All right, we got the Rangers and the Rays. The Rangers obviously playing uh, coming out of Texas and Tampa Bay out of Florida. So two. I would say these are both scrappy underdogs. Not they're different I mean, contrasts as well. Yeah, like the, the, the contrast in the sense of like the Tampa Bay is a scrappy underdog because none of these guys are like this. Isn't a paid for team. This is, they, they they built this. The Rays built this team, and for the most part, the Rangers did too. So it's not like oh yeah, we're just gonna sign Machado, Juan Soto. Uh, we got Zan, we got um, we got Fernando Tatis Jr. Let's go get a Cy Young winner. Uh, oh, and then we don't make the playoffs. So what team is that? Oh yeah. Anyways, um, yikes, it happens. Uh, but yeah, it's a these are scrappy underdog teams. And the one big move I think off the top of my head, the Rangers got Degrom, and you know he's not yeah. gonna he, he'll he'll watch it on the TV. And like, say, oh, say they were saying they were Max Scherzer. Remember, he they acquired him at the trade deadline, and he's out for the postseason as well. Yeah, so those guys can kind of just reminisce about their Mets days on uh, you know how they got paid, and now they're just sitting in the postseason anyway. But uh, also not for the Mets. But um, I, I really like both these teams, and I'm going to defer to you to let you uh, kind of explain a little bit more. Well, what I was talking about the different, different contrast, I think it's about the different styles that these two teams are. Now the Rays. I've had a better year in terms of power, but it's really been home run or bust for them most of the season. And obviously they have a really strong rotation. Tyler Glass now their ace. Aaron Savali has been a good you know, has been solid for them coming over from the Guardians. Zach Eiflin gives you a nice solid number three option. And then their bullpen, usually most of the time when it comes to the postseason, they have their better moments. And that's why Tampa concerns me in the AL. But for Texas. We all know what they did this season in terms of their lineup. They had so many of their guys in their starting lineup making the all-star team. Josh Jung, an AL Rookie of the Year candidate, until he got hurt. Big uh, Mark, fan of him. 
Marcus Simeon had a monster, had a solid year. Jonah Heim had his ups and downs, but he had a good year overall. Uh, you have Corey Seager, who I don't know if he won the batting title today because of Yandy Diaz sitting out. So he either was number one or number two in the batting title at the end of the day. But Seager had an unbelievable year for Texas. And that, that was despite back the year. fact. And that was despite the fact that he was injured for most part of it, too. Adolis Garcia is a big-time bat in that lineup. And then you look at the rotation, obviously. They've had the injuries to DeGrom and Scherzer. But Nate Valdi has still been a solid pitcher for them. If not, he, if he didn't get hurt, could have been up for AL Cy Young you know, candidacy. Um, Jordan Montgomery's had his ups and downs, but for the most part, has been good for them as well. I think the problem for Texas is going to be going into that game number three. Who is that starter? Because it was going to be John Gray, but now John Gray is currently injured. I don't know if he'll be back in time for that potential game three if that was to happen. But you're leaning into the fact of now you have to go to a guy like Dean Dunning or Andrew Heaney in a potential winner go home scenario. And obviously with the series I'm taking place. I'm a firm place, believer of Andrew he- in, in Andrew Heaney, so he's got this. For my sake, I hope so because I don't want to see Tampa Bay move on. But obviously you have Aroldis Chapman as your closer now. He's had some not great postseason moments for the most part. So I'm curious to see well, if – Well, the one I'm thinking of was confirmed they were, they were cheating. So that's the one that comes to my mind. Well, I try to forget that one happened, but I'm more going to, towards the Rajay Davis home run. Oh, well. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, I think this is going to be the best series out of them all. I think you have two really exciting teams. The Rangers have, you know, finally got it all going together. They could have won the division today, too, if they had beaten the Mariners. But unfortunately, they lost and Houston won, giving the Astros the division. So the Rangers could have been the spot where they were hosting in the divisional round. It could have been having a first-round bye. But instead, now they're in this wild-card round, now having to try to beat a very you know talented Tampa Bay Rays team. And what's going to be overall a very fun series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this series. I can't uh, – jeez um, – it's gonna be tough to pick it. <laughs> it's gonna be very tough to pick it, but I feel like we've kind of we kind of did everything. Um, do you want to give our predictions now? Do you want to move on to the uh, the mushing hour? Oh man, I, I, if you're any of these MLB postseason teams going into this wild card round, beware because it's time for the mushing hour. I believe. Yeah, it is time Ooh. for our favorite section. It is time for the mushing hour, and we're going to be taking on the MLB postseason, and we're not going to be giving odds because. We don't um, have the odds. We don't have the odds. I don't think the odds <laughs> are out yet for, for the series yet. Now, obviously, now, obviously, for these, what we'll do is we'll make our prediction for each series, and we'll tell you in what we think is going to be how many games it will take to win each series. And then, Andrew, if you want, I know we've already made two World Series predictions, but obviously they have not gone right. I don't know if your World Series prediction from the trade deadline is still it's, alive. It's still, it's still alive. Yes, it is. Okay, because I know mine's definitely dead because I – absolutely mush the Cincinnati Reds to oblivion. So if you want, you could make the same prediction if you want for the end of the show, or you can make a new one if you want to. I know one team, you won't change it, but I'm curious to see if you'll do it. No, I feel like I, I feel like I should be, I, I mean, I feel like I have to go with, uh, do, do I want to just start off the, the, the world series prediction? You know what? Yeah, we, we can start off with that. Yeah, so I think I have to still still stick with Texas Rangers and Miami Marlins. Okay, I, I think it's still I have, alive. Yeah, I feel like I have to I have to do that for this continuity purposes. Um, it's still alive, so it's not going to happen. But 
that's what I'm going to stick with. My God, I've been saying that for about seven months now, so I'm going to stick with it. Now, I know in mine, I took the Houston Astros, and I think I obviously picked the Reds, and that was by far a really bad pick. I still think the Astros get it done in the American League. Now the problem is going to be the National League. And I it, it would be so obvious to take the Dodgers or the Braves, but I just feel like something's going to go wrong for one of these two teams. But then I don't want to see Philadelphia. I don't want to see Philadelphia in it. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, I hate to do it. Just give me Atlanta and Houston. No, I I don't like fun. Atlanta, Houston, you are no fun. Yeah, but think about it. If I if I pick that right, then if I, and if I mush it, then we're all having fun because then it works out for everyone. So you're taking A-Town down? Uh... Oh, you asking me who wins it? Oh no, I'm just saying you're taking A Town down, right? And oh, A Town down versus H Town, yeah. Yeah, A Town down versus H Town. All Disgusting. right. Disgusting. Nonetheless, now let's get into the wild card matchups as a whole, and we'll tell you how and who we think could be maybe the X factors in this series, and who will end up winning the series as a whole. Um, Andrew, what do you which uh, which game would you like to start off with? Maybe we'll save your Marlins for last because I know you would like to get into that a little bit more. If I possible. mean, I'll, I'll, I'll spend the entire day on that. Let's start off the Blue Jays and the Twins. Okay. Um, listen, no disrespect to the Twins. I have the utmost respect to Pablo Lopez, uh, Byron Buxton, the entire Minnesota Twins uh, uh, organization. I had said at the deadline, even though that they were kind of. Um, they were below 500. I said they were going to finish strong and they were going to be the ones that win the division. The division, they weren't even close. Cleveland just completely, the, the wheels fell off the wagon there. Yeah, they got the, they, the Tigers first and second. Yeah, I mean, Jose Ramirez, Jose Ramirez holding the weight of a world on his shoulders for another year and it, it just fell apart. And the Twins stayed strong. Now, given that information, I'm still going to pick the Blue Jays because of the reasons I said before. Uh, it is the legacy. It is Kevin Biggio. It is uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. It is Bo Bichette. They have people they can lean on. Their fathers who played in the MLB for many seasons and who are very successful. Uh, they have some great pitching. And I don't care if the Twins are hosting it because you know what? I'm going to ride with Toronto. They're going to learn from their mistakes from last year. I think they're a the better team. Hmm, this is tough. I'm trying to think of the last time the Minnesota Twins won a playoff game. I'm trying to think of the history of this team. And it hasn't been good, let's face facts. They've had some great years in the previous history. But the stat I have, Andrew, the last 22 games for the Minnesota Twins, they've won one playoff game. In those twenty-two playoff years. Well, haven't you been playing like? Haven't they been playing? They've the mostly Yankees, been so playing like, the Yankees. That's been their yeah. Problem. That's yeah. That's the, so the okay. boogeyman. The boogeyman's not here this time. Yeah. However, I think the Blue Jays are just more talented enough when it comes to offense, and I just the only way that the Twins are going to have a chance is going to be the rotation. Unfortunately, I just don't see this going to a third game. I have the Blue Jays winning this in two. Oh, okay. Wow. I just think overall the Blue Jays have the better the better lineup. I think they'll be able to get their you know they'll be able to get the ball to their uh, relievers before you know later than the Twins will have to go to their relievers. And I think at the end of the day that's going to hurt them. The Twins just have too many injuries on their offensive side, and I think that's going to be what kills them at the end of the day. But hey, listen, you got to the postseason, so 
Congrats. Congrats to them as well. Let's go. Let's stick in the uh, stick in the AL and let's talk about the uh, God bless Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. So it's like a uh, this is a heaven and hell type of situation over here. Um, this is my take on it. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays organization had to know about Juan DeFranco's uh, actions, so they were going to oh, be smited oh, yeah. and punished. Uh, listen, <laughs> they, before this went public. They, the police had to contact them for a couple of questions. That's all I'm going to say. I cannot confirm that. Okay. Um, but that is my take on it. So okay. I feel like if they were trying to cover up from them, they were going to be smited. I'm, I'm definitely not cringing as you keep talking. L- listen, listen. I feel. Uh, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> the Rangers are scrappy underdogs. Is a home- I know these are both homegrown teams, but I would feel wrong picking Tampa Bay after these um, allegations that came up with, with their star player. And I, I could guarantee if these allegations never brought to life and even light, and they knew about them, like like let's just say they kind of like all oh, they you know they contact them, he would still be playing right now. For that organization, so give yeah. me Texas Rangers in a sweep. I don't care how good how good the Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays are, because that's the true name, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and they're going against God bless Texas. So give me Texas Rangers two and zero. God bless Texas. Uh well, I think my bias is going to show in this uh, series, unfortunately. However, I do think this goes to three games just because of how good these two teams are. I do have the Texas Rangers winning it in three. I think just because the lineup for the Rangers is really good. I think at the end of the day, they'll have – I think the Rays, what my concern is going to be is after Glass now, will Savali and Eflin, you know, Eflin give you those quality starts potentially and a potential maybe do or die game? Um, I just don't know if it's possible. I very well could see Tampa Bay winning game one because of glass now and then losing the next two just because of the rotation. But then again, Texas doesn't have a strong rotation either. This really could come down to who scores the most runs in this game just because of how good the offenses have been for the most of the season. This, these All of these games realistically could be a shootout. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting, and I can't wait for that. All right, let's talk about the Diamondbacks and the Brew Crew. Uh, I kind of went into this before. Diamondbacks had a hell of a season on the backs of their rookies who, you know, MVP candidate? Yes, no, maybe. What, Corbin Carroll? Corbin Carroll MVP? No, yeah, no. I think that, that kind of died down the season ended, but the way Acuna had, had, was this season, there's no way he's not going to uh, win I it. I mean, yeah, listen, he got 70 steals. That happens, you know. Yeah, 70 steals of 40 home runs. <laughs> So that's saying here. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, too, for the Dodgers. They were they had unbelievable years. Corbin Carroll definitely deserves, you know, all the flowers for what he did for this team. Not disrespecting him at all. Just it's tough with all the other, you know, the other guys in the NL, the way they've been this season. Yeah, so uh, going to be a great game or a great series. Uh, I like the Brew Crew. They got the best pitching there. They got a lot of really good rookies out on uh, in Arizona. Uh, with some crafty veterans to kind of lead them into this postseason. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I feel like I have to go for the Brewers because they're going to have home field advantage. Uh, and they have the better pitching. I don't think they're ready. For, I don't think they're ready for this fair man rotation like you kind of mentioned before. So I'm going to give uh, give you the Brewers two to one. Okay. Uh, I, 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 we're agreeing a lot, but I'm not going to go in three. I think the Brewers win this in two games. Okay. I think- it'll be a game. 
I think game one is going to come down to who scores one, who scores the first run. I think you realistically could be a one nothing, two nothing final in that game, just because he's going to have Corbin Burns versus Zach Gallon, a really good pitching matchup. And I think at the end of the day, the Brewers will have more postseason experience than this Diamondbacks team does, and I think that will just lead to them winning the series. And you mentioned it, the pitching is definitely going to be the factor in this. And at the end of the day, after Gallon. Morel Kelly's not bad as a number two, but then after that, it doesn't get any prettier for the Diamondbacks. So it's good that they got to the postseason. They're still a little bit far away from getting there. They still need some pitching help. But for now, this is a good stepping stone to get even better as the years goes on. All right. So now we have our final game. My Miami Marlins going taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I kind of went into this a lot before, probably I had like a five-minute rant, so I'm not going to take up any more time. And I'm just going to say Marlins 2-1 because uh, they're going to clinch it in Miami. And they this can't go. My... What do you mean to clinch it in Miami? They don't oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> in my heart, they're going to clinch it in Miami. <laughs> they're going to clinch it. For, I think for the viewers that... at home, all the games are in the they're home all, team's uh, stadium. They're all in the home team stadium. I'm trying. I'm, I'm thinking for the next round here. I'm thinking okay. for the next round here when it's going to be, you know, they're they, facing they, Atlanta. Yeah, when they're facing Atlanta, then they're going to clinch in Atlanta. My apologies. Um, <laughs> He's getting ahead of himself. Getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> give me Miami. Give me two one. It's going to be bullpen game. It's going to be a messy game because I know after uh, the the um, the first after Zach uh, Wheeler and after um, Aaron Nola. I know their third uh, starter is going to be sketchy as well. It could be Ranger Suarez. It could be Michael Lorenzen. It could be anyone. Um, but I know it's not going to be even not be thrown gas or anything like that. So it's going to be a messy bullpen game. And the Miami's Marlins, they thrive in that chaotic environment. So the more chaos, the better. So that's why Marlins are going to clinch it in Philadelphia in the third game. And hopefully they can be in, be in attendance. Would you say Marlins will soar? Not yet. Not yet. I don't want to jinx them. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this for your own sake. I'm not going to mush your team. Okay. I'm going to take the Phillies in three. Okay, that's fine. I think this is going to be a hard-fought series. I just think the Phillies obviously have more of that postseason factor. You know, they have the experience from last year. And I really still am concerned about if the Marlins go to a game three, what do they do in that scenario? If it's Johnny Cueto, he, he, you know, he's obviously pitched in you know, situations like that before. But you mentioned it. He's been having a rough season. He's given up a lot of home runs. And if that's your game three starter, that's going to be tough going into that game. So I don't know what the Phillies do in their scenario with game three. Maybe it's Ranger Suarez just to get the lefty-lefty matchup with a guy like Jazz. But the Phillies have been in that spot. They know how to win in those certain you know situations. And I think at the end of the day, it's a, going to be unfortunately for Miami that they fall. But they're kind of like the Diamondbacks in which it's great that they got here. This is a great stepping stone for future years where they, you know, look at this season and be like, if we lose, what can we build on and fix going into next season, try to get back to this scenario and get even better. So it's not a bad thing if you lose. I just think the Phillies just are slightly better than this Miami Marlins team. All right, so that's your opinion. You're entitled to it, and I hope uh, you know you didn't rush my team, so I can't really blame you. So before we sign off, do you have anything else you'd like to say to our well, wonderful listening, listeners out there? We forgot to mention one thing, and I, I know you oh, have I didn't this. forget about it. I wanted you to bring it oh, up, though. I don't oh, want to be okay. the guy. Okay. 
Now, I mentioned Gabe Kapler for the Giants got fired. I believe it was yesterday that happened. So, obviously, there's now a manager opening in San Francisco. But that is not the only manager opening that is now available as Buck Showalter is stepping down as the manager of the New York Mets. So, now the Mets will be looking for a new manager this upcoming season. They obviously made a front office change as well. Uh, David Stearns is now looking over the team and trying to help them get back into the postseason after a very really bad season from the Mets where they won 74 games. And this is a year where they had all these expectations to make the World Series. And now they're looking to try to fix it all going into the offseason, but they'll have a new manager to do so. I know you have your take about that, and I'll let you – I'll defer to you. Uh, so you said they won 74 games? They won 74 games. What was the payroll? $344 million? Something like that. Yeah, they play, paid almost $4.7 million per, uh, per win, so – I think uh, that's perfectly four, summed. Four point seven million dollars a uh, win. Um, listen, I don't. I never had beef with the Mets up until the the, the tarp incident of um, oh, God. Of, of late September, and I will, <laughs> I, I, I will not get more PTSD by talking about it. Um, that that is all I have. We'll have to say is uh, hey, at least you don't have I mean, to play the game on Monday. That's a good thing. I mean, yeah, it's a positive, but it should be a win for us. And now I won't get 85 wins. We'll just have 84. But, hey, uh, it is what it is. But the Mets are getting a big upgrade because Buck Walker was um, painfully mediocre for his entire career. So, Mets, whatever happens, oh. you get an upgrade. Well, you're talking about his Mets career, right? No, I mean everywhere. He was just painfully oh, mediocre. You. I love Buck Walter. I mean, do you like mediocrity? Listen, Buck was a catalyst for the Yankees getting back to where they were in the late 90s. Uh-huh. And what did he do for you? All right, listen. He got fired the year before they won the World Series. It, it, mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. He made the he made the postseason that year. They went to the ALCS. Yep. And that's DS, what he does. I don't remember. I was born. I mean, listen. He's, I, mean, listen I, he, I was not born. I mean, listen. He's been managing for 30 years, and he's like, what, 10 games about 500? Something like that. Maybe like 50 games about 500? Uh, no, something like that. I'm good. No, I, I like winners. I'm just curious to see what the Mets will do. I think that's going to be a very tough decision because obviously it's going to come, whoever is the new match is going to have a lot of, you know, expectations going into because the Mets will try to be, make it, have themselves a good off season to where they fix all the mess that happened this past season. And it's going to be another very interesting off season for this team because, oh man, they got to fix everything. A lot of stuff went wrong. We we were at the game. We talked about how many a lot of times in the, today about how we were at the game on Thursday. There was a point in the game where they kept bringing in relievers, and I had no idea who they are. And you know me, Andrew. I know pretty much every single baseball player. I really thought those were NPCs on the field. I did too. I, I, I really I, did too. It was. I don't it was know who NPK is. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I mean, he, he, listen, they brought him in. Uh, I now the, who know who that is, but I, I didn't know who he was at the begin at the time. Yeah, he's the guy who uh, jobbed the Jazz, so. You're right. That's who he is. In a a safe situation on the West, too. But, yeah, the Mets will be looking at a new manager for this upcoming season as they look to get back into the postseason and be like one of these upcoming teams, these 12 teams that are in the postseason. Well, I shouldn't say 12. That's not the – oh, no, I I was right my math, right? What? I can't do math right now. (laughs) I was right with my math. 12 12 12 postseason teams. But, yes, yes, 12, 12. I, I was going to say 14. I'm like, wait, there's only three wild card spots. Yeah, so it is 12. 
it's been a it's been a long day of driving. I just got back from my trip in Buffalo. Shout out to my uncle Greg and my aunt Lindsay and my cousin Grace for a great weekend. But yeah, it's been a long week, so the math was definitely not with me at that moment in time. But I was right originally, so I shouldn't have second guessed myself. But uh, before we end the show, Andrew, do you have any final comments about this upcoming MLB postseason? Uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of baseball, and that's all I have to say before we end the show. I'm looking forward to it, and um, I'm just happy to be watching postseason. I'm just happy the Marlins kept me entertained. I said, you listen, even if they didn't make the postseason, I was happy to watch a meaningful game in September. That's that, But now I get to watch them in October, so it's even better. All right, you got to see a meaningful late-season uh, game for the Marlins that – Obviously ended in a rain delay, but it was still, you know, still meaningful at that time of, at that time of the season. So yeah, yeah, it's still very, very rewarding. Uh, Listen, rewarding their first thing. full season postseason berth since two thousand three, and obviously that was the year they went on to win the whole thing. Yep. So uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna order a trophy now. Uh, listen, I'm part uh, as as a team that as a fan that doesn't have a team in the postseason, I'll be rooting for you guys. I appreciate well, it. Hopefully, it all goes well. You're, you're welcome on the bandwagon, unless you are a Phillies fan. I'm not a, no, no. Listen, or a great I picture, fan. Oh, okay. Well, I well, I know someone that is a quote-unquote fan of that team. Mm-hmm. But being that as it may, you mentioned it, it should be a fun postseason. I'm really looking forward to this all, this postseason action and see who comes out of top as the World Series champions. But we will be previewing every division, you know, I shouldn't say division, but every uh, postseason matchup and series as they go on. Once the wild card series are done, we'll go into a preview of the divisional round, then the obviously the championship series, and then overall going into the World Series preview, as it will be another great season of the Fall Classic and this year's MLB postseason. We'll see how it all tunes out this upcoming October, maybe even in, into November. But that is going to do it for the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Another great MLB year has been concluded. We now get to see how these 12 teams do in this postseason run and who will come out on top as the World Series champions. This has been Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your weekend.